0: So we pull back and we just don't do it because we'd rather avoid an awkward moment. And uh, so for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the idea of um, being relevant today, being real next week, and then being ready. And again, if you miss any week, uh, weeks, it's all online, so you can take a look at that. But again, this whole idea of what, what do we do this? We, those of us who are Christ followers would say that our faith is relevant. It is what sees us through. And again, it's not our faith, but it's our faith in God. And we actually can tell someone that's just testing the waters that there have been moments where we would say it wasn't just coincidence, but we can tell where God has kind of calmed the waters, at least the waters in our heart, even when we're in the midst of storm. So so we would say he is relevant. But again, when it comes to all of this discussion, uh, we really have to again boil back down to that question is Jesus still relevant? And we would say that he is, that Jesus is and has always been and and will always be relevant. So we present that, we point to that, and we want to make that clear. Now, again, if you're just uh, testing the waters, uh, this may seem oversimplistic. You may be trying to figure that out, and that is okay. You're welcome here. You're welcome to ask uh, the hard questions. Uh, we, we, this is a, a safe place to add that. But those of us who have followed Christ or are following Christ really see that he is relevant not just for 2,000 years ago or even 50 years ago, but he's, he's relevant today. And we can see that in our world. We can see that uh, there are folks that uh, have all the goodies of life, all the benefits of life. Uh, They have all the toys, all all the the stuff, and yet there still seems to be this, this hole in their lives. There seems to be this need for something else. And then some of us have met those people that were in that place and all of a sudden found that Jesus was the person that would meet that hole in their heart when, when nothing else would. And then some of us who have been Christ followers again for a little while, uh, we, we've kind of drifted every once in a while. We, we buy it. Yeah, Jesus is relevant, and, and, and we're walking with him. What that means is we're trying to stay close to him. We're aware of his presence in our life, and, and we're, we're doing that, and all of a sudden we drift a little bit, and then we start to, to fill that hole with something else. Uh, maybe it's a position. Maybe it's a, a possession uh, whatever it may be, and a relationship, and all of a sudden we, we drift into this where, we're, where, where Jesus is still a part of our life. He doesn't leave our life, but, but that void in our heart, that emptiness, we fill it with something else. And then a lot of us, hopefully not over a lot of time, come to our senses and then are reminded that that thing, that person, that whatever, that feeling isn't the answer. And then we make a little course correction and come back to the place where we say, "Yes, Jesus is relevant because I've tried those things." Now I'm going to sh- show you a clip, and you guys are going to boo, maybe. But uh, you know, you know, when, when I, I have this this clip, and I, I tried to find something else, I didn't try very hard, but I tried. And uh, you know, there's this guy who's got six rings. I won't even mention his name. And, uh, you know, he's got a model for a wife. He's got a picture-perfect family. And yet, even with all of that, even when he only had three rings, this is what he said to an interviewer on 60 Minutes. kind of proves our point.
1: Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, is not only one of the NFL's best players, he's one of the NFL's great stories. At the tender age of 30, he has already won three Super Bowls, an accomplishment that ranks him with some of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game, and he's having one of the greatest seasons in pro football history. When we first reported on him back in 2005, he seemed underrated and almost overlooked. He doesn't have the arm of Peyton Manning, and he doesn't have tattoos, and he doesn't take steroids, and he's never held out for more money. All he knows how to do is win what you always wanted (laughs) you're right you're right it has and I didn't think it came with all the other baggage though in addition to his success on the field and his sex appeal off it there is also the 60 million dollar 10-year contract to play with the Patriots I'm making more money now than I ever thought I could ever make playing football (laughs) but with all that money fame and career accomplishments we were surprised to hear this from him why do I have three Super Bowl rings and and still think there's something greater out there for me. I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is... Me, I thank God. It's got to be more than this.
0: What's the answer?
1: I wish I knew. I wish I knew.
0: Every time I see that clip and I think of him, I, you know, you're going to say this is kind of funny. I actually, a lot of times, will we'll pray for him because I hope that he will find the fact that Jesus is relevant. It's interesting. They're a very private team, and uh, just even up to this year, they had a phenomenal uh, chaplain that actually had an office right next to the coach's office, Bill Belichick, and all of this kind of thing, and they just don't talk about this stuff. And a very good coach. Uh, some of the stuff with craft, he decided to pull back. Uh, some have written that maybe he shouldn't have pulled back because that was an ideal time to be there if you know what all that's about. But the, the idea here is that with all that stuff, there's still a hole. There's still emptiness. You see, Jesus is, has always been, and always will be relevant. He's the only one that can take that emptiness away and we have to continue to keep our eyes on him, it's not, again, because he leaves us. It's because when our focus leaves, uh, that presence isn't as, as aware as it is when we're focused in on him. Jesus himself said this. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, Jesus says this himself. He says, he says, I am the way, I, I, I am the method, I am the truth, I am the life, that if, if you want a relationship with God, a relationship with the Father, the only way is through me, through what I offer. Now, some of us would say, wow, that's pretty exclusive. That's pretty arrogant. And if it was anybody else saying that, I'd say, yeah, you're right. But it's Jesus saying that. And it's been a consistent message of what faith means for the last 2,000 years. And he says, I am the life. You want life in your life? You want that void filled? You need to look my way. You need to come into relationship with God through me. You need to have the brokenness of your life, the sinfulness of your life, whatever you want to call it, the self-centeredness. You need to have that answered with the love and forgiveness and grace of Christ. And again, we might say, well, that's so exclusive. No, 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 it isn't. That's actually pretty powerful stuff that, that God would see our brokenness and offer him Son, his son on our behalf. That's pretty amazing stuff, that he would do that. So it wasn't that he wanted to be exclusive. He wanted to be open-armed. And so, is Jesus still relevant? Jesus will always be relevant. Now, in our culture, how does that relevance actually get expressed? How does that get teased out? How does that get seen? And it really is this way. In our culture, the relevant challenge is primarily driven by Christians. By Christ followers. See, the, the challenge is with those who, who claim to say he is relevant. And some of you sitting here have experienced that, where you've come in contact with a so-called Christian, a so-called Christ follower, and you've said, you know, I, love, I think I like Jesus, but I don't like this thing called the church, where a group of these Christ followers get together. I don't like that. You see, the question's really driven by the way we express our faith. And, and there's really uh, two reasons. It has been said there are only two reasons people are not Christians or are not Christ followers. And the first one is they've never met a Christian. And that one seems pretty, pretty obvious. But then the, then the other one is this. They have met a Christian. And, and we can laugh about that. And that's kind of funny. But, but that, that's actually true. You, you've experienced that. You've experienced that if you're a Christ follower and you're trying to point to Christ and you don't want an awkward moment, but you're still trying to hint around to it and you're talking about it, and all of a sudden this, uh, this comment comes out that, that they, they've heard about that, they grew up in that, or they did that, or they went to church when they were kids, and blah, 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 and then this happened, and that just closed the deal. You see, they've met some Christians So as Christ followers who want to get beyond the awkwardness and point to Christ, sometimes it's just not the awkwardness of a spiritual conversation. It's the awkwardness that there have been some people in the past that have really roughed up the road and roughed up the way. And then I hate to even go down this part of the question. I have to ask myself, when have I done that? When have I been the Christian that somebody else has met that's actually become an obstacle for someone saying yes to Christ? When has my character been absent? And all of a sudden someone says, if that's a Christ follower, I don't want anything to do with that. And when they think that, they see my face. That, that rocks me to the core. A lot of regret. Because none of us live this thing perfectly, this faith thing. That's not for, to make it for an excuse, but it, but it's the reality. So, so what do we do with that? Uh, 1 Corinthians 5.11, you don't have this in your notes. It's out of the message paraphrase, says this. But I'm saying that you shouldn't act if as if everything is just fine when a friend claims to be a Christian is promiscuous. Uh, that's the idea of uh, sexually off the rails uh, or crooked is flipped with God or rude to friends, gets drunk or becomes greedy and predatory, you can't just go along with this, treating it as acceptable behavior. And that doesn't mean that you're judgmental. You just can't accept that. And when that's out there, and when that behavior is kind of ignored or acceptable behavior or not not stood against, then it affects this idea of people seeing Christ in us or in you. And you got to be very careful about this. But if Christ is going to be conveyed as relevant for today, he's got to show up as, as relevant in your life and in my life. He's got to be played out as the answer. It's got to, he's got to be the answer for me. And I can, I can be a cultural Christian, and when someone gets close, they really look into my life, and they go, yeah, Dave does the Christian thing, but really, you know, he puts a lot of weight for the emptiness in his heart on this. And when that's the case, it's showing that, yeah, Christ is kind of relevant, but not really, because what really floats Dave's boat, what really brings him joy, which really satisfies him, has really nothing to do with faith. We have to always be asking ourselves uh, that question. Uh, in chapter 6, it says this. Since then, you've been cleaned up and given a fresh start by Jesus and by God's present in us. And the great thing about being a Christ follower is you are in the process, in a sense, of getting cleaned up. Not cleaned up to earn God's love. You already have it. That's why He gave Christ but cleaned up in the sense of integrating, aligning life with what it really means to be a Christ follower, to really means to be a friend of Jesus. And you're given a fresh start. And I would say you're given a fresh start regularly. I sometimes need fresh starts every day. That's one reason I like to spend time with God in the morning. That time period works for me because I got to do like a hard restart. Sometimes it's a very hard restart. Sometimes it's a light, but I, I want a fresh start on that day and then what I love the fact is when I have that fresh start on a daily basis I'm aware of God's presence more fully he doesn't leave us but I'm just just more aware of his presence so again the question of relevancy rises and falls more on the behavior of you and I who claim to be Christ followers now, with that, that's a heavy responsibility. And with that heavy responsibility comes the idea that a, a foundational concept regarding relevancy is this. And some of us feel this, and they we're going to find that this isn't accurate, but we feel it is our responsibility to make sure someone says yes to Jesus. So if, if my behavior seems to have an effect on Jesus' relevancy, how far does that go? Where does that start and where does that stop? Is it, is it my responsibility? Is it, is, it, is it my fault or my credit when someone says yes to following Christ? You see, Psalm 96.3, I read this uh, yesterday morning, and I put this in here because I really liked the idea of it. It's to take the news of his glory his significance, his importance, his his wonders to the lost. When you hear that word lost, if you're new to faith things, that means somebody who doesn't know Jesus, is far from Jesus. It's It's not a put down. It's just like you're not connected with him. So it's as if you're lost. And take to the lost the news of his wonders to one and all. You know, and sometimes as churches, we're we're great at going to the all. That's the reason we have making a difference, missionary partners around the world in different places. We're great at doing that somewhere else. Again, because we're trying to avoid the awkward. It's easy to put some money towards that. It's a lot harder to actually put some feet towards that. And as a leadership team, we're always trying to figure out how do we have both represented? How do we we love the people across the sea, but also love the people across the street? Both need to be happening. That's one reason for these backpacks. Thank you for your generosity. It's showing little kids in the school across the street that don't have the resources to have a backpack and fill it up that somebody cares about that. That somebody loves them. And we hope that it's just not they say, oh, that church loves me. That 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 God that church follows loves me. That's why we do that. So we want to be good across the sea and across the street. We want that to be a part of our rhythm for life. If you'd go to 1 Corinthians 3, 4, that's page 794 in that rack Bible you'll find around you. If you don't have your own personal Paper copy. You can f- uh, take that as a gift from Seneca Community Church. Also, we really like the Bible U version that has multitudes of translations. It's a free app. You can have it on your phone everywhere you go and have it right with you. I also have some of the passages up on the screen. So, 1 Corinthians 3 4. This is Paul. He's writing to the church at Corinth, which was a city. And this city, Corinth, was crazy. It was like one city, it's like a red light district was the whole city. It was crazy. It was a hard place to be. And Paul had been there for a few years. He had helped start a church there, a group of Christ followers. And there had been a number of teachers coming through there. And instead of that being demonstrated as a strength, it was now a weakness because of what you're going to hear first. It's interesting. Instead of saying, wow, we've had all these different styles of teachers, these, all these different styles of pastors, whatever you want to call them, isn't that wonderful? They said, no, we've had all these different styles. I like this one better than that one. What? I mean, it's just totally backwards. So Paul speaking into this kind of culture, which might be even a little bit like our culture. All right, verse 4 says this. For when one says, I follow Paul, and, uh, and other, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? We could also add in there Cephas, which is, Paul, which is Peter, uh, we could also add that some people said, "No, no, no! I don't follow any of those guys. I follow Jesus because I'm more spiritual than the rest of you." Uh, this was just going on, and and they're they're trying to trying to get at this. And Paul's saying, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Don't don't be playing that card. Don't be getting into that. You're going to see that each person uh, has a different role." Uh, Jump it down to verse five. It says, "What after all is Apollos, and what is Paul, and all the others?" only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. So on one hand, you need to realize that uh, each teacher had a different task, a different role, but you also can make the application that each one of us who claim to be a Christ follower have a different role, a different task. And I have to remind ourselves of this all the time, it's not, I'm not saying you have a task to get something done in this church. We call to the concept or the strategy that if we're really trying to help people grow in their faith, a part of that is giving your life away. And if you're not giving your life away in certain areas, you're not growing as well as you could be Growing. And our church is to make a difference in people's lives wherever they are by leading them into a growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So we want to make sure that we're growing. And one of the ways that you and I grow is we give our life away. We reflect Jesus' love by giving our life away. So you can be reading your Bible, you can be doing praying all the time, you can be doing all these other things, but if you're not giving a part of your life away, you're only firing on on two, three, four cylinders. So that's why that's so important to us as a church family, as a group of Christ followers. It's not just to get a job done, but it's to be growing as a collective group of people. Talks about, I planted the seed. This is Paul saying, Apollos watered it. Apollos was a very educated, uh, academic uh, teacher and, and just resonated with the people of Corinth. And that, that was fantastic. And then, if we were to talk about Peter, Cephas, he, he was more traditional, and, and some of the people really enjoyed that. And then, again, I said, it, some of the other people said, Well, I'm of Christ, and they would say, I'm, I'm the spiritual uh, piece. And you don't realize this maybe about Paul, but a Paul, a Paul was, was, was very cutting edge, culturally relevant, trying everything new outside the box. That was his style. So he says there's all these different styles, but then he has this bottom line to this. But God has been making it grow. God has been making it grow. Again, coming back to our opening question, is it our responsibility to make sure someone says yes to Christ? Keep holding on to that. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Again, we need to do our part. We need to water, we need to plant, we need to do whatever our thing is, but it's actually God that makes things happen. So is it your responsibility to make sure someone says yes? No, it's not your responsibility. Our responsibility is to water, to plant, to grow, to cultivate, all those kinds of imagery when it comes to the germination, when it comes to the growth of that little plant, it's in God's hands. Now we need to do everything possible to do our peace and do our peace well. It'd be like... you know, if Keith said to me, yeah, I want to plant something, or one of you other farmers, and said, yeah, it really doesn't matter. It's in God's hands about how things grow. So send Dave out there, and I'm out there, you know, just throwing seeds and <laughs> jumping on the ground. And, and, I sit, and then they go, well, you know, it's, you know, it's God in God's hands. Well, definitely that would be in God's hands. But, but no, that's not what he's saying here. You and I need to do our part. But what makes it happen, what makes anything happen, spiritually in the life of a church and life of an individual is God being on the move. The one who plants and the one who waters has one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor and coming back to that purpose. We all have different roles. We all have different tasks. We all have different skills, but we have one purpose. And the way we say it, it's great commission, great commandment, ideas if you're familiar with that but the one purpose is to make a difference so someone has a lasting impression take place in their life where they say yes to Christ and then grow in their relationship with him and what's wonderful about this is that then you and I are rewarded for our faithfulness according to our labor. There is some concept, I don't know how it all unfolds, and it's not this idea that we earn our way to heaven, but there's this one idea when, when this chapter of life is over and the next chapter of life begins, you who have said yes to Christ, the way you leverage your life, the way you use your life, there will be some kind of acknowledgement of the way you've lived. doesn't mean you'll get a better car in heaven, a nicer house, you know the property next to the ocean. It doesn't mean that, but there's there's some concept. It's it's all through the scriptures that when you are faithfulness, your faithfulness will be acknowledged. And this may sound terrible, you you to some of you, but there are some days the thing that gets me out of bed and gets me to do the right thing, isn't because I'm just happy, and love Jesus, it's because I know I'm going to have to answer for the life I live. I'll be rewarded for that life. Again, not earning my way to heaven, but but how I use my life, how you use your life. There is some kind of something When we find ourselves in God's presence, that will be acknowledged. You know, I've talked about this. Sometimes I talk about this at Christmas time. There's this imagery that, uh, you know, we earn crowns and all those kinds of things, and someday we'll lay them at the feet of Jesus, acknowledging that He was the one who enabled us to do anything. And uh, when I am in that moment, I want to have something to lay at the foot of Jesus. I don't want to be in battle. You talk about an awkward situation to be there and not have anything uh, to give and say, Jesus, I I used who you made me to be in its smallest ways, but I did it, and it's all because of you, and put it at his feet. I I want something to be able to lay there at his feet. So, So there is some kind of reward, and that might be the reward in itself, just to say, hey, I did this for you, and to see that smile on his face. So you can't get anyone genuinely, genuinely uh, to say yes to Jesus. You can pressure people, and they might just acknowledge it, but, but from a heart level, uh, you, you and I can't, can't do that. It's not, it's not uh, in, you know, in our ability. Again, the only one who can do that, the only one who has the power to make a seed sprout and grow is God. God's the only one, so we have to understand that. So when we talk about awkward, we talk about relevant. Relevancy plays a lot on our shoulders because does Christ seem to be relevant in our life? Does does he actually make a difference in our life, the way we live, what we value, how we interact with our world? And so we we have to take that very seriously, but we also have to remember that it's Jesus that makes things grow. God makes things grow. And uh, so let's uh, look at some gardening tips as we wrap things up, some good gardening tips. Now, I'm very nervous about talking about gardening tips because I'm not a gardener. We have one jade plant that we've had all the years we've been married, and it's looking very sorry right now. So it's like 31 years old, and it's starting to, like, have major troubles. About every four or five years, I send it to my father. He takes it for six months and does some magic to it and comes back and looks healthy again. And when he comes in September, he and my mom, or in October, it will be going back to Massachusetts to the hospital. And uh, so, so this is not my thing. I'm a pavement guy, pave it, paint it. But uh, anyway, so it's very dangerous. Now, I did work on a farm growing up, and that just proved the fact that that's not what I wanted to do, a vegetable farm. So anyway, so here's some gardening tips from, that I've read about, okay? All right, first of all, this one is that all seeds require different amounts of time to grow. Is that true, farmers? Okay, just checking, just checking. I didn't get to some website that gave me some false information. All seeds require a different amount of time to grow, uh, we read uh, in Second Peter, Peter, uh, one of Jesus's friends, disciples, says this: "The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Repent of their ways, follow Christ. And sometimes it seems like God is slow, but he isn't really slow. Sometimes we want to get it into gears. Some of us who uh, know a little bit more about the scriptures know that someday Christ will come and set everything right. And we want that day to be now. But I don't necessarily want that to be now because I have some friends that I want to say that hopefully someday they'll say yes to Jesus. And I want them to have time to do that. I love the way Eugene Peterson says this verse. He says, God isn't late with his promise as some measure lateness. He's restraining himself on account of you, holding back the evil because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. I love that. So the person that hasn't said yes, space and time to say yes. And for the person like me that still has a lot of room to grow, he's giving me space and time change and keep growing. And I don't want to waste that. So seeds, different amount of time. Also, the amount of water is critical. The amount of water is critical. Um, Tim Williamson loves to tell the story about when I was trying to grow grass in my yard and he came up and helped me with that. And that's sad. He had to help me with that. He gets it all planted, gets even some little hay on it. And uh, the, the dirt in my yard isn't that great, but uh, anyway, I can blame the dirt. But uh, So he comes by, just community group or something, and notices that nothing's happening. And he goes, well, haven't you been watering it? Because all the ground is like dried and cracked open, like looks like little Grand Canyons in there. And, and so water is, is critical, and uh, it was with my grass, and finally I figured that out. I actually had to go out and buy a sprinkler and a new hose. Oh. Anyway, so the amount of water is critical. So the question then when it comes to planting seeds or being a part of that process in somebody else's life is what kind of waterer are you? How do you water? Um, Are you a waterer like this? (laughs) This is too dry. I could only find a good picture like this. This isn't from our house. I don't know why that lady's in there, but she's in there. But I took it. So uh, too dry. Are you too dry? Are you too sparse? If you're, if you're trying to point others, you're trying to avoid the awkwardness, sometimes you're too dry. You never give any water. The people in your life, maybe it's relevant to you, but you're not watering. You're not even throwing a couple drops out there. It doesn't mean you have a three-hour talk about it. Maybe, maybe the kind of water they need is just a comment that says, I'll be praying for you. Three drops. Three drops. You're on my heart. few drops. So why do you do that? A few more drops. What are you doing on Sunday? Oh, I'm going to church on Sunday. Oh, really? Oh, what? Do you like your church? Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. A few drops. Whatever those drops are. Some of us wonder why nothing's happening in our garden of pointing others towards Christ. It's because we're way, way, way too dry. You get the idea. Also, sometimes uh, we're too wet. Too much water. You can overwater something. That's an example of that. Sometimes we can give a plant too much water. Sometimes every minute you bump into this person, you're not as worried, you're, you know, I don't care about awkwardness because I need to tell people about Jesus, but you're just like drowning these plants around you. And sometimes you need to know the plant to know how much water it actually needs. And some of us think we're doing a great job, but we really don't know the plant we're watering and we're driving so much water on them that they're drowning. And then when someone else comes up to you and they say, oh, you're a Christian? Oh, I don't want to talk about faith. Why? Because they remember that guy that almost drowned them to death by watering them way too much. Had a neighbor back in South Portland. He was a weatherman. I've talked about him before. He was a weatherman. He lived next door to us and... uh, You know, I'm trying to figure out how much to water, and one day we're, believe it or not, working out at a gym, and he comes up to me, he goes, Dave, there's one thing I really like about you. Actually, there's more than one, but one thing, and it's because you haven't been trying to save my soul. Well, where's that from <laughs> you know and he had had some friends that were Christ followers that were just watering him watering him watering him watering him watering him first i thought that was an insult you I mean you know he knew i was a pastor and and all that kind of stuff but it was interesting as as he began to get as we were moving out of that neighborhood he came over as i was painting something out and started talking about spiritual things and uh his wife came over a little bit later and I knew he didn't want to talk about that in front of his wife. So what does the wise waterer do? Zips it. And I don't know wherever that went, but it was because I was using just the amount of water because I knew this plant. If I had been the typical Christ follower and just drowned, he would have, he just would have proved his point. But there, there was a little bit of a, a growth there. There was a little bit of what's going on with that. So what kind of waterer are you? Uh, too much. Uh, what kind of water are you? I, I love this scene. Uh, too much pressure. We've got these little flower box on our shed. And uh, first time I was watering them, and you know, I had the thing out there. I went, Stuff's going everywhere. More dirt and everything. Too much pressure. So, yeah, you can water too much, or you can just be too much pressure. You can just be crushing. You can be all over somebody. Uh, when that happens, It doesn't doesn't work. You don't get get good growth. What kind of water? Too dry, too wet, too much pressure. Um, When you're too dry, too wet, it creates more awkward times. So you're trying to back from that. You need to know the plant you're working with. You need to know the person. You need to value them for who they are. They're not a, not a project. You actually care for them, whether they have any inclination to spiritual things or not. You don't write, oh, wow, you know, I, I knew him for two years, and he didn't, he didn't want to talk about Jesus, so I'm moving on to somebody else. Great. That just helped with our relevancy, right? So, so you actually like someone because you like somebody. They're not a project. And again, then we bear in mind that our Lord is patient He's patient. He's patient with us. He's patient with someone else, and we need to understand that it takes time. I've showed you uh, this clip before, uh, this this sweet lady from Concord, New Hampshire. She's gone home to be with the Lord a few years ago. Actually, a number of years ago, I got got to do her her funeral. It was very cool being able to show this video at her celebration of life. But uh, she has some interesting uh, story to talk about her husband Uh, She was married for about five years when she said yes to Jesus and her husband didn't want anything to do with it and she prayed for him for another 25 years. Watch what happens.
2: Five years that he would be saved. Yes, and I started praying for him as soon as I was saved. Five years into the marriage, I was saved. He was very set against anything spiritual. He didn't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. So I thought, well, if I can't talk it, I'll walk it. Later on, a few years later, he got very sick. He coughed all the time. He couldn't talk. He coughed. He sneezed. The doctor uh, operated on him, and he called me up, and he said, in all my years of surgery, I have never in my life seen anything like that. One lung is completely eaten away by cancer. The other one is adhered to his chest. And he says, there's nothing we can do except sew him up and send him home to recuperate. And every single treatment he had made him feel worse. He couldn't eat, he was cold all the time. Walter Holder visited in the hospital. He says, Barbara, I know how he feels about spiritual things. I'm not going to minister to him, I'm simply going to befriend him. So he went in about every day and befriended him. Then later on, a pastor came out, he says, we've got a new brother in Christ, but don't say a word, let him tell you. So I went in to be told, and he said, nothing. So I went off to my place in the kitchen. Baba, might as well tell you, I'm a Christian now. That's all he ever said. But it says in the Bible, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. And he did just enough to cover it. At his funeral, the pastor mentioned how he had been so opposed to anything spiritual, but he finally, he Pastor Holder led him to the Lord. He says, you know, it was just like cutting melted butter. He was ready, he was waiting. And he promised me the very first chance he...
0: And he was a difficult, difficult man. He made it hard for her for those 25 years. Really hard. I could tell you stories of him uh, doing things in the home just to make her life uh, more difficult. Um, But she never gave up. She never gave up. She kept uh, being consistent And also with that, understanding that consistent watering is required usually by multiple people. Sometimes when I'm thinking of somebody that I'm hoping someday will say yes to Jesus, I actually pray that the Lord will bring other Christ followers into their life. It's not a a one-person thing. And somebody else might come into their life that might verify what you've been trying to say into their life for years and years and years. So it's a multiple people thing. Uh, that's great where it's you can invite someone and they can meet more than one Christ follower. They might find, say, well, you know, there's just one nice person on the planet and that happens to be them and they've not experienced it from anybody else. So trying to figure that out. And again, along with this, uh, two problems is starting and stopping. Uh, we give up or we don't start. And again, just trying to be consistent uh, understanding that uh, God gives us all a place, a role in that uh, different, different person, different place, different idea, uh, different task, and, and you need to you need to embrace that. You need to embrace your role, embrace your task. Um, God wants us to grow up as a Christ follower. He wants us to be growing up uh, to the whole truth and then tell it in love, like Christ. If you want to. Think about this. Read the first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels, and you'll see how Christ operated, how he interacted with people. He's surprising the religious people all the time. But as he surprises them, he has an impact on those lives. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do, that idea of abiding in him has to be that way. So, what do you do? You have somebody that you're on your heart, in your mind, that you want to point to Christ. And, like I said, with Barbara Plant, her last name was Plant, uh, Barbara Plant, uh, her husband was difficult. Her husband, uh, one time the washing machine, I'll tell you this story, one time the washing machine stopped working and uh, uh, she needed a part to fix it. And her husband said he had ordered the part. And so until the part came in, she was doing wash by hand. That was the, the day she lived in. And uh, she kept asking about the part, kept asking the part. No, I ordered it at Sears. So one day she goes over to Sears and finds out the part's never been ordered. He would do stuff like that just to push her buttons. Now, I'm not saying you need to stay in an abusive relationship and all those kinds of things. I'm just, he was difficult, yet She never gave up. She had a multiple of people involved, but she never gave up. And um, I like how this woman, uh, this little vignette about not giving up.
3: When's it going to happen? Here I am. There you are. Here I am desperate for love, for truth. What are you going to do when you leave this building? Are you going to share with me what you've been learning here today? Or are you just going to bottle it up and pull it out next week for your friends? Now, when I say share, I'm not talking about every tactic you've used on me in the past, like judging my every move, telling me I'm a bad person, pointing fingers, giving me disgusting looks. (laughs) And my favorite is when you tell me that I'm lost. I don't even know what that means to be lost. Do you really think judging me is going to make me change? Would it make you change? Now, I I know I'm a bad person. I've I've done bad things. But I don't need you to tell me that. What I need is for you to pick me up when I fall down, to be there when I'm broken. Yes, there's, there's something missing in me. There's a void in my heart that I don't know how to fill. You have it. You have that thing that makes you whole. You know that person that I need to know. So I'm watching your every move. I'm watching where you go and what you say and do. Because I'm desperate for something real. I need something genuine to know that there's something more here than this. I mean, this this can't be it, really. And I think you know that. Listen to me, I need you. I need you to be here for me. I need you to walk out right now, ready and willing to do whatever it takes. It may not be comfortable. It may not be easy. But I need you to show me love. No matter the cost, show me what unconditional love really looks like. Stop telling me about this God of yours and show me who he really is. Honestly, I'll probably resist you. I'll probably argue with you and laugh at you. I'll, You know, even when you fall, I'll probably call you a hypocrite. But don't give up on me. Please don't give up on me. So I'm going to ask you when is it going to happen?
0: Lot to think about there. Who needs some planting? And watering or whatever you want to call it in your life? Who needs some planting and watering in your life? Do you even have any names? Do you have any, a face that comes to to mind? Are you close enough? Not somebody that is like, oh, I wish that person, that celebrity or that, somebody that's actually in the sphere of your life. I encourage you, just don't write three names down, but but are there three people? Are there four people? Is there one? Who are those people? Are you thinking about them? Are you praying for them? Are you trying to be a part of the process where maybe they would say yes? Or is it a name that you gave up for? Uh, hopefully it hasn't been 25 years, but Barbara's is an inspiration to me. It was 25 years, so I can at least go 23 years. Who is that person? And then maybe you're here this morning and you're wrestling with this and you're saying, I've never really said yes to him. And maybe you realize that that involves admitting that you have been out of step with God, that you need to have be connected with him, that Uh, This thing called sin, disobedience, uh, is there. And and you need forgiveness. And so maybe even right now, right where you're sitting, you can just say, Lord, I need you in your life. I need your forgiveness. I thank you for the gift of Jesus. I believe he gave his life for me. He died and rose again. And then also choosing to invite him into your life is the one you're going to follow. And right there, as you're thinking those things, as those things are on your heart, you can say, yes, I've said yes to Jesus. Now, we have a couple tools available, a couple resources. Don't take them if you're not going to use them because they're not free, but we want them to be used. Uh, but uh, we do have this Knowing God personally. It's actually online, but it's also uh, out in three locations outside of our commons. And you go online and check Knowing God, and it goes through, and it has each page right there, all 20 pages. Uh, Or you can find that uh, at one of these three places. Uh, We also uh, have a book called um, How to Know God Personally, or, or How Good is Good Enough, talks about that. Fast read, you can read it in an hour or less. Uh, You can also use a connect card to talk to us and say, I'd like a little bit more information. You can come and talk to the folks who will be praying at the end of our service, uh, Danny and Michelle. Uh, You can check off one of these things and and get a little bit more familiar with us. Also, in a couple weeks, we have a a What's Next coming up. Details are listed in your program. But we also have another resource called uh, Right Now Media. It's all listed there. And uh, if you go there, we actually have a channel. They call it a channel channel. Uh, regarding some of the things we're talking about in this series. So you go to that page, uh, you click on Seneca Community Church, and then up comes this page, and there's a whole bunch of uh, resources there available uh, for you to take a little bit deeper look in the idea of pointing others to people in faith. Uh, There's also a bunch of other channels. Uh, There's a channel on... uh, can't even read it from here because the print's too small. But uh, family, there's on parenting, on marriage, on women, on men. There's all these kinds of channels, so you can take a look at that. All kinds of resources is a free gift uh, to you. If you have any questions, stop by guest services. But again, uh, leaving us with that question, who needs some planting and watering in your life? And what is God calling you to have, or how is God calling you to have a role in that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for a message like this where it reminds us about what is going on in our world, about there are people that uh, desperately need you as much as we need you. And we ask that you would help us to live lives that show that you are relevant to life, that you do make a difference. And, Father, I ask if there's anyone here that is, is on the edge of saying yes to you, that even in this moment while we have our eyes closed, while we're praying, that they would reach out to you and say, God, I need you in my life. I accept the gift of your son. I want to start following you. We just uh, thank you for the gift of you. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.